0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Data Bytes podcast by Women in Data. My name is Sadie St. Lawrence, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, I'll be chatting with Mary McCarthy, a data journalist, strategist, and analyst based out of Los Angeles. In addition to all of Mary's analytical and storytelling abilities, one of the things that's really impressed me most about Mary, as I've gotten to know her over the past few weeks, is her tenacity, boldness, and compassion for others. So I'm super excited to chat with you, Mary. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much
1: for having me on Sadie. I love the podcast and I love everything that women and data stands for and the work you guys do.
0: Thank you. Well, you're definitely a big advocate for, you know, women's rights, black lives matters, pretty much all minorities and rights that are out there. I feel like, but one of the things I've heard you talk about a lot is, you know, advocating for women to negotiate their salary. So I'm curious to know if you've always been a great negotiator, and this has always been important to you, or has there been a pivotal moment in your life when this all changed and you just had to do it and learn along the way?
1: So I have definitely not been a strong negotiator. I just sort of always, when I got job offers assumed, wow, that's awesome. They want me and say yes and jump at the offer. And I didn't have anyone, I don't want to blame it on anyone, but I didn't have anyone train me that that's not how the world works. And that's not how you You know, move up in your career and even gain respect. So I um, did not negotiate, um, I would say, for the first 10 years of my career, which was all in media and television journalism. And uh, then when I had a child, um, I was about 31, or exactly 31, we should say. And I was a single mom, am a single mom, and, you know, head of household, not receiving child support. And in my personal life, there was this urgency, you know, I need to make sure I, keep making money and have an upward trajectory in my finances, which is definitely not easy in the media world. Uh, It's not particularly lucrative. So um, the next time I got a promotion, which was maybe when my daughter was about three, instead of just accepting the relatively small raise that went along with the promotion for the first time in my life, I negotiated and, you know, did the typical back and forth and didn't back down and was just fearless about it and was shocked to see that that works. And I got what I wanted and I got a significant boost. And since then, that's what I've always done. And uh, I know in our culture, men are either trained or sort of inherently pushed to do that. And for women, it's less obvious. We are talking about it more than we are we have in the past. Um, but to me, it was so empowering. And it's given me confidence in every job and sort of every endeavor I've Undertaken since then that uh, show that you have that confidence, demand that respect, and it literally will, you know, return dividends, financial dividends.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, what an incredible story, too, about being a single mom and rising above it. And I'm sorry at the time you had to really fight for yourself in that regard, but it sounds like you learned some great lessons along the way to share with others. So, any tips for those out there who, haven't negotiated a salary before, would like to, are there books you read? How'd you get started? What do you do? Well, that's the amazing thing is, you know,
1: anything you want to learn, whether it's um, new technical skills or things like negotiating. Now you can simply go on YouTube or go on LinkedIn learning and take courses. And, you know, if you are, for example, shy about negotiating, that's just not your personality or you, um, you know, don't know the different strategies, just literally Google it practice it and give it a try. I've never heard of someone, you know, having their job offer rescinded because they tried to uh, negotiate a salary or they tried to, you know, get a signing bonus when the company typically wouldn't have um, offered that. So do your research, Google it, look, be, be prepared, you know, at worst for rejection, which generally doesn't even happen. Worst case, usually companies come back by offering at least a little bit more of something or other and uh, ask for help. Ask, you know, speak to people you know and respect in your field or in other fields, and don't be afraid to ask for advice. In my own career as a journalist and now uh, in the data world as a data professional, I haven't been strong at seeking out mentors. Um, I'm learning to do that, and I'm learning how important it is just to get that practical advice and also to sort of know what's out there, know what the progression of your career can be, you can really only get that perspective from people who are already in the field. So hop on LinkedIn, um, hop on company websites, seek people out who you admire and ask them to give you 15 minutes. And more often than not, people are more than happy to hop on a call and talk to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. I mean, you could even ask people, Hey, will you practice the negotiation with me? (laughs) Right? That's a great idea. There's a lot of opportunity there. I know we have, you know, a Q and A chat within Women in Data where people and the presentation people often ask, like, "Hey, I'm getting ready for an interview. Will somebody just like mock interview me?" And like, most people want to help out, so like, reach out and ask for help, like, is so important. Exactly. So, besides negotiation, you know, just talking about finances still seems to be a bit taboo for women. Um, talking about how much they earn, how much they want to earn. What do you think is part of the problem behind this? And what would happen if we changed this?
1: Yeah, I've over the past few years tried to become more outspoken about the fact that um, as much as possible, you know, within the limits of the certain field that you're in, it's good to speak openly about salary ranges, the potential, because the more we talk about that, the more um, marginalized communities, whether it's women or ethnic minorities, will be aware of the possibilities that are out there. We'll be aware of the various pay gaps that are in place. Again, whether it's the fact that white men stip- typically still earn significantly more than at the bottom of the ladder, um, black and brown women. Um, yes, we need policy and structural changes in society to fight those disparities, but also when it comes to issues like this, simply talking raises awareness and can be the start of that change. Um, I know that it's when I transitioned into data science or the tech world, uh, just really over the past year, it was a career pivot that was inspired by a few women in my life uh, who, who are close to me, a few friends who actually uh, made the pivot, not because they were necessarily intellectually interested in moving into tech. It was truly driven by finances. They too were mothers, single mothers, and were driven by the need to make more money. And the fact is that in the tech world, in the data world, you can make very good salaries compared to many other fields. And the fact that they were so open about that, saying, Mary, you can make this transition. Um, The previous skills you have might not be in tech or in data, but they're very transferable if you upskill, which I did uh, by doing a a data science bootcamp. And you you will be on a different path financially for yourself and for your daughter. And we shouldn't shy away from talking about even financial need. I feel like there's part of the shyness or taboo about talking about money. It's not even saying, well, I'm not supposed to publicly talk about my salary because my company doesn't allow that or doesn't like that. It's more that once you're a kind of middle-class educated professional in U.S. culture, maybe in a lot of places, it's kind of shameful to admit that that you have financial need. Um, I'm just not ashamed to admit that, (laughs) you know, um, partly because I want to be an advocate for, for other people who are in financial need. Um, I, in no way was, you know, severely down on my luck, but I knew that if I needed to provide a solid present and future for my daughter and myself, I could not stay in media. I needed to transfer industries and upskill and all of that. And, um, again, primarily driven by financial need. Fortunately, by transitioning into data, um, there's all these other things that are really cool about it. Like I, I love the intellectual side of it. I love that stimulation. I love the people who are in the data world. So it wasn't purely um, motivated by money, but that was the initial impetus. And I don't, I want to make sure there's no shame in other people saying, you know, being being willing to admit that. Uh, because in the end, what is a job? Yes, it can be your passion. It can be whatever you're interested in, but a job at the most basic level is exchanging work for money. So, you know, money is a basic part of that formula. Let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you just outright calling it because I think, you know, speaking, it has so much value. It, It gives other people permission to speak it. And not be shy about it. And I've seen lives transform by transitioning to higher pay. You know, having that money is freedom. So, yeah, I appreciate your boldness in that area. But money, never, money might not be happiness,
1: but it is freedom.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. Freedom and security too, of you know, knowing that hey, like I'm going to be able to pay my bills and have a roof overhead and take care of my kids, like. That's a very important.
1: And be prepared for emergencies and to pay for education and all those things that, you know, we, we both, you and I both live in California and life is great here. There's so much innovation and creativity, but it's also, you know, very high rent and, you know, like everywhere in America, you have to be prepared for, you know, unexpected medical bills because there isn't necessarily a government safety net to, to help you out. So like you said, yeah, there's there's uh, there's no reason we shouldn't be talking openly about what is a reality for anyone who any grown up, but especially for uh, women who tend to have so many responsibilities in life, whether it's taking care of elderly parents or you know taking care of children.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, and you know the financial portion may have been a first motivation to get into tech and data, but I can definitely see that you've used your background of media and journalism in the world of data. You know, what are some of the lessons, like you've done such a great job taking your background and experience and applying it and adding new skills. What are some of the lessons you learned from your prior career that people who've been involved in the world of data could use and pick up as well?
1: Yeah, so I worked as a, a primarily television journalist, both reporter and anchor for 15 years, most recently, about eight years as a, an international correspondent uh, based here in the U.S. And, you know, when you pivot careers, you, there's a certain uh, insecurity that goes with it. You kind of feel like you're leaving a lot behind. And what I quickly realized was, no, everything I learned during those years gives me obviously, first of all, a certain professional maturity, just in the the way you handle things. Um, But also I would say two things, there's a communication and storytelling side that's inherent to journalists that I've certainly perfected. So once I started to get into the data world, I realized just how appreciated that is because those are skills that people who have come up primarily on the tech side, say studying engineering or math, generally haven't had the chance to cultivate. So even once I started taking data science classes among my peers who are brilliant, I realized that they didn't necessarily have those um, communication and story telling, um, you know, either background or skills. And I realized my own skills were appreciated, which was really, really nice. Cause when you're, Um, when you're already an established professional and you're starting over, it's, it's, it's hard. So it was, it was nice to see that, that those really were worth something or are worth something. And then the other side of it that I would say is, um, I forgot, I lost my train of thought. There was a communication side and, oh yes, the other part that comes with being a journalist. And I hadn't appreciated this, this as much when I was, you know, only in journalism. But once I got into data science, I realized, as a journalist how strong one's critical thinking skills are so when i sat down in data science classes to um you know look at basic graphs basic data sets or more advanced ones i always started with quite a few questions like what are we looking at what are we lo- why are we looking at this you know the um bigger picture questions whereas the people who came in more from the math science engineering background they could dive straight into, say, manipulating the data, um, but it wouldn't necessarily occur to them to ask those contextual questions. So I realized um, to what degree that critical thinking ability is very worthwhile in the data world, and I would argue It's, is equal. It's, it's, you know, it's half of what you need to bring into being a data scientist or data analyst or data strategist. Yes. You need to know how to technically work with the data. You need to have the math background. You need to have the coding skills. Um, But equally you need to be able to say, why are we doing this? Should we be doing this? And what are we going to do with this? So um, that's, those are the transferable skills that I've been able to bring along the, math and coding, you know, it wasn't easy to learn, but I sat down and in less than a year learned enough to feel like I could keep up in, um, you know, in classrooms with people who had been doing that part of it their whole lives.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. I mean, I see so many people who enter this area and, you know, start with the math and coding and then work later on to get those storytelling skills or critical thinking. And it's so hard for them. And I love that you flipped it on its head and went the other way said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get those skills first and then get the coding and technical. And I think it just goes to show like, there's no single way to do this. And there's no single way to be a tech person in this field.
1: And I would credit um, also just having good teachers along the way, again, with the the particular boot camp I did, I don't want to be an advertisement for them because that's not the purpose of it, but it was galvanized and it, it, it was an excellent bootcamp, both the preparation and within it. And it was teachers who were encouraging, who didn't doubt that, who themselves were very much on the technical side, but said, you know, anyone can learn to code. You have to put the work in. Anyone can learn the technical side. Um, and here are the tips for doing that. But what you bring is equally valuable. And having that encouragement uh, meant a lot because when you're, you know, studying. Eight hours a day, or on Zoom classes, eight hours a day. It is hard, and um, you know I did cry a couple of times. <laughs> um,
0: but, Same in my master's program. There were a lot of tears. <laughs> right, right, exactly.
1: Um, but for me, it was it was certainly worth it, and I'm so grateful that I had that. And that's also why I want or I try to do some advocacy like this is encouraging people to to make these transitions if they want to or need to, and don't be afraid of the math or the coding or the, what sounds like scary technical skills, because those are eminently learnable.
0: Yeah. So as you've been making this transition of There's been some tears along the way. You've obviously learned to code and made it through your classes and congratulations on completing the galvanized program. It sounds like a great program, but how did you stay motivated along the way? Are there some daily routines you have or tips and tricks you can give to people who are also making a transition
1: yeah i mean i would say with the boot camp again which was like 8 to 9 hours a day of being online and doing pair programming and um just sticking with it i would say the, the great thing about being a mother is that no matter what's going in your, on in your life, you still sort of have to have a healthy, balanced lifestyle. So even though I was doing all this studying, I still had to, you know, make healthy meals and take my daughter and my um, dog for walks. So that's kind of built into, you know, I think that helped um, maintain my sanity. You know, there was there's no such thing in my case as a mother of like pulling an all-nighter studying because um, you, that's just not what you can do. So I would say uh, maintaining, yeah, that healthy, balanced lifestyle and definitely reaching out again for help, whether it's telling your instructors you're struggling or calling friends. Again, I had two friends who I, you know, texted quite regularly and said, this is overwhelming. And they both reassured me actually. They had both done boot camps. One had done a coding boot camp and one had done a data science boot camp. And they said, when you're working in these fields, no day is going to be as intellectually and intense and challenging as what you're doing now. So there is that mentality of if you can power through this, then it's such good preparation that when you are in a job, uh you know, you really will be prepared and the work then won't be quite as hard. So fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping for when I start working full-time. Um, right now I'm freelancing, but when I start working full-time, I'm hoping that all that work of, you know, intensely coding and everything for hours in the camp will, will pay off.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, it sounds like you've been working out your mental mind. So either way, you're mentally fit and ready for whatever comes your way. So what oh. excites you about technology and the field of data, and where do you hope to go next with it? Yeah,
1: so for me, it was um, it was a sort of a natural intellectual progression. Again, even though I said this was motivated, uh, you know, by the need to further my career financially, this transition. Um, within journalism, you know, over the past 10 to 15 years, just like every industry, journalism has been... Um, An element of it has been very impacted by data so many newsrooms would now have in addition to say their general news people and their sports people and their entertainment people, they will have a data journalist, so I was very interested in. That And I knew that there were quite a few opportunities in data journalism, but again, I was, I was scared. I thought I wouldn't be able to learn all the skills necessary. So once I made this leap into the data science bootcamp, um, I realized that now I can do something like data journalism, which is again, using data to do certain investigations. Um, but that, now that I'm in the world, of data, it's opened my eyes to so many things that you just don't realize until you're kind of within a field. Um, so in terms of my own pursuits now uh, of what I wanna do full-time, the, the part of data science that interests me the most, and I would say that I excel at is natural language processing, probably because with my background uh, in the liberal arts, I'm comfortable with language. So all of my the projects that I've done so far have been um, you know, sentiment analysis, and topic modeling of say uh, social media, of of tweets, of things like that. So I would love to pursue uh, natural language processing, but also um, just the, the bigger discussions around data governance and around artificial intelligence, the ethical questions around that, all of that fascinates me as well. So again, I feel like I went into data science thinking, well, there'll be a few roles that might work for me, maybe data journalism or something related to that. And once it's like this whole new world has been opened and I am just kind of like a kid in a candy shop, amazed by the possibilities of this growing technology, everything we can do with it, everything we can say about it. And
0: uh, you can tell I'm I'm excited. (laughs) You're getting me more excited about it again as well. I've been in the area for a while. And so I love talking to people who, are transitioning careers because it's contagious. Absolutely. And it's friendly, which has been surprising to me
1: and in media. And again, I don't want to say only negative things about media because I had a fantastic, colorful career in that, but because there are so few jobs, there's a sense of uh, very much hang on to what you have and don't share it, whether that's knowledge or giving people tips about the few jobs that are available. There's people are very territorial. If you're say a TV reporter and you even think about applying for a radio job, um, it's kind of like, well, you're a TV person. Why would you do that? Whereas I find that in data science again, because they need people. And um, yeah, I guess because of that need, maybe the friendliness is born out of it where people are just uh, willing to talk to you because they know you're not there to steal their job, that you're there to um, you know, move yourself forward and by moving yourself forward, you're not taking anything away from them. So it's been a nice change so far. I don't want to look at it all with rose colored glasses. I'm sure there's parts of it that aren't pleasant at all, but so far I haven't encountered that.
0: No, that's really exciting. I felt very similar when I transitioned into data science as well. And, you know, one of the things I think is not just that people aren't fighting for jobs, but there's a lot of work we can do. There's a lot. This is a new field. It's a new area. Like we need people from diverse backgrounds who are creative and thinking outside the box and take ways to use these tools and technologies differently. So I'm super excited to have you in the industry and all of the wealth of knowledge you bring. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I'm really encouraged and inspired by, you know, all of your tenacity and everything you've done to make this change and continue to advocate for women. So thank you so much for being here and I hope to chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Sadie.